Unfiltered. Broadcasting live from West Wichita in the KQAM studios. It's time for your weekend kickstart with Wichita's number one conservative talk radio host. This is Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier. Darn right it is. Welcome into Kansas Talk right here on Wichita's Big Talker, 1480KQAM, Wichita's number one conservative talk radio show. Welcome into the program. Always great to have you along for the ride today on a Saturday morning, kicking you off for another weekend. And can I just admit, I'm over the 103 degrees. Just throwing it out there. Thank you, AOC, for reversing global cooling or global warming or whatever the hell that you've done. It is now 103, and I'm not too happy about it. Again, I am... Irish and Scotch and Scandinavian. I like my 20-degree temperatures, and I'm looking forward to getting that back here relatively soon. Welcome into the program. Great to have you along for the ride today. 316-721-8255. 316-721-TALK if you want to join into the program. We'd love to hear from you today. What a show we have lined up for you today. I'm telling you, we are now... Hold on, let me count the days. It is now Saturday the 23rd. We got... Seven, eight, nine. We have 10 days until Election Day here, August 2nd, for the primaries in Kansas. Can you feel the energy? Because we're getting down to it. We have an entire massive lineup for you. Bottom of the hour, Rebecca Schmoy. She's a candidate for House District Number 59. She'll be joining the program to talk about her campaign. You may have heard her on the show before as she runs the One Million Moms Against Gun Control, as she's been a great Second Amendment advocate across the state of Kansas and beyond for a long time. We've had her on the show talking about guns for a long time as well. So she'll be joining us and talking about her campaign running for District Number 59, that open seat up there. Hour number two, Karen Tyson, candidate for state treasurer, as we've had her on as a senator before. And talking about the campaign a little bit. And bottom of the hour to wrap up next hour, we have Derek Schmidt, current attorney general and candidate for the governorship. So we have a massive lineup and on the line with us right now, as well as we kick off election season right off, right out of the gate. We're not going to waste any time. It's time to meet the candidate. The government works for us, not the other way around. Elections 2022. Dang straight, right out of the gates. I'm excited to have on the program, for the, and I think for the first time on this show, which I, I'm really happy to finally get her on here and chat with her. She's a current state senator. She's also candidate for attorney general, and boy, has she had a crazy week or two as this candidate has gotten an endorsement over the last week between the SBA, Senator Roger Marshall, which we just had on the program, our national program yesterday, and uh, former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo. Those endorsements coming out. All within this last week or so, but happy to have on the program with us, State Senator Ke- uh, Kelly Warren with us here. Kelly, how are you today? Uh, doing well, Andy. Uh, glad to be on Kansas Talk with you guys. Yeah, I'm excited to have you on. First off, congratulations on all the big endorsements. That's huge going into the last week or so before election time. You are right. It gives us tremendous momentum to get the win on August 2nd. We see conservative leaders from Senator Marshall to Secretary of State Pompeo coming in, uniting behind our campaign, as well as the uh, SBA list, and we're just terribly excited about this. Yeah, that is big. Now, it's been a big week, obviously, as we get closer to the August 2nd primary, which everybody kind of steps up the game here, but, I mean, you guys had a debate on Thursday, which I have not had the chance to to watch as well, but uh, talk about the campaign trail and talk about the debate and how things are going so far. It's going really well. Like I said, conservatives are really uniting behind our campaign They know that I'm the battle-tested conservative Republican who has a track record of fighting and winning, whether it's winning tough elections here, Andy, in a very politically purple 
district, if you will. I've defeated a uh, liberal Republican for the House in 2018, and then a different liberal Republican for the Senate in 2020. And then as Senate Judiciary Committee Chair, I have helped lead to passage some of the most consequential conservative reforms our state has seen in decades. So those conservative leaders, those conservative groups who have endorsed me, they know I am the person to get the job done as our next attorney general. I love it. For those that may not be familiar with you too much, especially down here in the Wichita area, talk about your background a little bit and what got you into the politics and uh, what you have done in the state legislature so far. Sure. So uh, I'm a lifelong Kansan, a wife, a mother of four, uh, an attorney for more than 25 years. And in 2018, folks asked me to step up and run for the House because, quite frankly, the liberal left was in our backyard. We had a House representative who was uh, very far left and wasn't representing our conservative values. So uh, tied up my tennis shoes, knocked thousands of doors and defeated her in the primary and most importantly, defeated the Democrat uh, in the general. People liked the conservative values I was sharing in the House. They wanted me to be a bigger voice. I could do that in the Senate, stepped up and ran against that uh, liberal Republican incumbent and defeated him um, as well. And then the Democrat. So I have a proven track record that uh, conservative Republicans can look at and rely on in the Senate. I've been honored to fight for life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And I say that because I helped lead to passage getting value them both on your ballot. It came through Senate Judiciary Committee. I helped get on your ballot liberty. I worked with law enforcement to ensure that our sheriffs are elected rather than appointed by woke politicians. And when I say pursuit of happiness, pushed back on government mandates, whether that's reforming the Kansas Emergency Management Act so that no governor ever again could close places of worship, could close schools or close businesses. So I have the track record of getting these policies done, and I will continue, first of all, in this race by defeating the Democrats in the general and then leading on uh, good policies and our values and working with law enforcement as our attorney general. That's what it's all about. I have to say, I mean, the legislature, thankfully, and it's been so nice to see, has really worked towards making it more conservative. We've had a Republican majority in our state legislature for years, but to actually be conservative enough to get things done and not have the Republicans be our own obstructors and be our own worst enemy, it's been nice to see that the last couple sessions have actually gone well. Now it's focusing on some of those other, like the attorney general, like the governor's race, to where we can kind of complete it, because right now the legislature is the only one kind of holding up the mantle right now, isn't it? You're right. It's kind of our last line of defense right now. The legislature is. And we need to also make sure that we have a Republican attorney general to be our firewall against what's coming out from the Biden administration from D.C. and to also make sure that we fight the left right here in our state. And we cannot afford to have our Republican nominee be someone who loses election after election after election. That's why in 2018, we lost the governor's mansion, and we cannot afford that for this office. It's far too important. Yeah. Talk about your priorities. If you get into the attorney general's office, you mentioned, you know, the importance of what this is going to look like. We talk with uh, current attorney general Derek Schmidt every month about some of the legality and legal uh, fights that he's doing against the Biden administration, against the federal government in general, some of the stuff going on here in the state. Is that what you want to continue on? And as the Biden administration tries to centralize power at the federal level, tries to uh, abuse the states or, t- or take advantage of the states, is that a priority that we need to focus on? And what would you do to try and fight some of that? You're absolutely right. It is a priority, and it has been a priority of mine 
as a senator and leading our elected officials at the state level to get this policy done, because we do see far too much government overreach, whether it's from Biden and the special sessions that we got in the religious exemption, if you didn't want to have to take the COVID-19 shot that Biden was mandating in order to keep your job, we fought back against that and won. We fought back against when our governments here in Kansas were wanting to enact sanctuary cities. I worked hand in hand with the attorney general, got that ban on sanctuary cities passed and enacted here in Kansas. Like I said, I have reformed the Kansas Emergency Management Act so that no governor could ever do again what this governor did. And we are still paying a high price, as we have seen in Kansas, for having lost that governor's race in 2018. So it's important that we have our attorney general who has that working relationship with the legislature to help be that partner to get things done. And as the only person in this race who has been a legislator, I know how to get things done through that process. And I have been in the House and Senate to work with my colleagues there. It's vitally important that we use all our tools at our disposal to get the job done, to be the firewall against government overreach. Yeah, we're talking with Kelly Warren, candidate for attorney general for the state of Kansas, also current state senator. You can find her online at kellywarren4ag.com. We're going into school season, which I cannot believe. We're a month away from the next semester of uh, fall. My little girl, she's going into the third grade, which is unbelievable. But we see nationally now, we're seeing from the National Teachers Union, the NEA and the AFT and some of these others that are pushing again for mask mandates or vaccine mandates for children or social distancing and all this other garbage with some of the subvariants of COVID-19 that are coming out. Is that a concern, do you think, in the state of Kansas? Do we have protections in place? And if that is, as Attorney General going into next year, is that something that we have to be on the lookout to fight again? It is a concern, Andy, and we do have to be on the lookout on for that fight again. And that is why we have to make sure we nominate the Republican who can win in November. I myself have four kids. Three of them are still young enough to be in K through 12. And so I have seen firsthand how our local school boards are impacting children and their learning and their mental health, quite frankly. Here in, like I said, the very purple district I live in, we have school districts who have imposed mask mandates for the stomach flu. So that's, again, an example of the government overreach. That's why this last election cycle in 21, like I have before, I helped get local school board candidates who are conservative, got them elected so we could make sure we are fighting against government overreach there. I do believe that is a fight that we will have to continue. And as state senator, as chair of the Senate Judiciary Committee, I got a bill passed in the legislature that would have banned any level of government, not just the governor, but county commissions, city council, local school boards, from enacting mask mandates, vaccine passports, vaccine requirements for non-FDA-approved drugs. You know what? It passed the legislature, and the governor vetoed it. So, again, we are still paying that high price. We don't have those protections. (laughs) And I, as attorney general, will work to make sure that we do. I love it. Let's talk Second Amendment issues for just a second. We saw legislation at the federal level, good and bad. The Supreme Court came out and defended concealed carry against the state of New York with that lawsuit. But at the same time, the Biden administration and Democrats have tried to push some bills to expand background checks to try and go into red flag laws, which they're trying to ramp through right now. 
How important is that issue to you? And while Candace overall and uh, being a board member of the Kansas State Rifle Association and trying to defend Second Amendment rights, where do you think we are on two-way issues in Kansas? And uh, how do we end up stopping some of these red flag laws coming out of the federal government? I think uh, the Second Amendment is under attack from the Biden administration. I am a strong supporter of the Second Amendment. I've always been proud to be supported by the NRA in my House race in 2018 and the Senate in 2020 and to be endorsed by the KSRA in this race. It's again, we have to have the firewall to protect our Second Amendment rights. We cannot have this office fall to a Democrat who will only be an ally to the gun control crowd. I am not in favor of red flag laws. And in fact, this last session, I introduced a bill that would protect our firearms industry from discrimination in government and the contracts that they do, because we see woke corporations even are attacking our Second Amendment rights. And we need to have the proven track record of the person who can win this race to ensure that we are defending our Second Amendment rights. Sure. When you're talking to people on the on the streets and you're campaigning and moving around the state, talking to uh, different towns and different places, what's been the priority for individuals? What's been kind of the, the, the main point or the main topics that they brought up to ask you while you're on the campaign trail? I would say there are two of them, and one is that we have to make sure we win in November. We have to have the proven candidate who wins tough elections. I am that proven candidate. Um, Like I said, we cannot let this office fall into Democrat hands who would only be a Biden ally. And the second one, I would say, would be government overreach. We see government intrusion in all areas of our lives. That's why I think this pandemic has really energized the grassroots folks Uh, of the conservative Republicans, and they are fighting for our school boards, and they are very concerned that, uh, quite frankly, our way of life, our rights, our liberties, our Constitution is under attack, and we need the Attorney General, our nominee, to be the one who can win in November and then is proven leader building coalitions to get things done. I have that proven track record, which is, again, why all the conservative groups in Kansas have endorsed our campaign, whether that's Kansans for Life, Kansas Family Voice, KSRA, um, Americans for Prosperity, which is the free market group, and so many others to get this job done. I have the support of the ag community, uh, Kansas Livestock Association, Kansas Agribusiness Council. They know I have the proven track record in the four short years that I have been in the legislature to be the reliable partner and the coalition leader to get things done. There it is. It's Kelly Warren. Kelly Warren for AG.com. Kelly, where can people find you on the campaign trail? You guys still out uh, talking to a few people for this last week? You bet. And you know what? With your forecast, I just heard, it's going to be a couple (laughs) hot days coming up. So uh, I'd appreciate a few cooler days. But you know what? Kansans really appreciate you getting out there and talking with them. It's one of my favorite things to do as a candidate. Uh, I wish I could knock all the doors in Kansas. It's a big state, uh, but we're knocking as many as we are. I'm about to meet uh, some folks here in just a few minutes um, to also walk with um, other candidates, right? It's important we build our team. So I have been working with House candidates across the state to help them win in November as well. Um, That helps build our team. That helps get our legislation passed, like you recognize, Andy, that we are building a conservative legislature to work hand-in-hand with our attorney general to get the job done. And so I'm kind of looking at it as a big team picture and being that type of leader. Um, that's why I'm honored to have other leaders such as former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo on our team and our current Senator Roger Marshall, who's been doing a great job 
of leading our state uh, in D.C. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we've said it many times on this program before that, especially with what's going on at the federal level, the attorney general's office is going to be that front line of defense, stopping it in the courtroom and stopping some of the crazy takeover and the centralization of power. So it's such an important race, and we're happy to have you in the race for it. It's Kelly Warren, Kelly Warren for AG.com. I know you have to run. We're out of time, my friend. Good luck on the campaign trail. Good luck for the last week here before the primaries. And if you get that nomination, let's talk again here real soon. I appreciate it. Look forward to it. And I would remind voters, vote yes on Value Them Both on August 2nd and vote yes for Kelly Warren. Thanks a bunch, Andy. Hopefully we'll talk soon. Absolutely. We'll be chatting here soon. Kelly Warren again. Uh, Kelly Warren for AG.com is the website. Go and check her out. We appreciate her time very much. Good stuff. That's how you kick off a program, ladies and gentlemen. All right. We got a lot more to get to here on the show. Rebecca Schmoy, District Number 59 candidate for state representative. We'll chat with her right around the corner as well. I want to get your thoughts on the race. I think that AG's office is going to be the most hotly contested election for the primaries. We'll see how that plays out here in just a minute. When we come back, lots more to get to here on Candace Talk on Wichita's Big Talker, KQAM. Stay here. Twenty-seven minutes past the hour. Welcome back into Candace Talk right here on Wichita's Big Talker. Thanks for joining us this Saturday morning. Like always, always a pleasure. All the program brought to you by Phil's Coins, ninety-three forty-four West Central Avenue. Buying, selling, and trading with honesty and integrity for all your gold and silver needs. He's about one of the only guys, not just in Wichita or in the region or in the states, but in the Mid-America region that actually has gold on hand. So if you're looking for whether it's a certain coin, whether it's just trying to stock up. Whether it's a hobby for you, no matter the purpose, he's about one of the only guys that has it in stock for you. Go and check him out. It's 9344 West Central Avenue. They're opening up here in just a couple of minutes until 2.30 this afternoon. Also online at philscoins.com. Thanks again to Kelly Warren coming on the program. Great candidate there. I tell you, I, I love, I love seeing this race for Attorney General because it is such a hotly contested race for three wonderful candidates. We've talked to all three of them. We had Tony Mativi on last week. We just talked to Kelly Warren. I believe we have Chris Kobach possibly coming on next week. They haven't confirmed yet, uh, but we, uh, we've we chatted with them. But we've had them on many times before as well. There are three great candidates. Now, Republicans, I remind you that regardless of whoever becomes the nominee, we have to unite and back them up at the end of the day for the general election. Because if we do not, and we give the Democrats a an attorney general seat, then all of the crap going on at the federal level with the Biden administration and all the progressive Democrats, it will bleed into here and there is nothing we will be able to do about it because the attorney general is that front line of defense to challenge them in court, to stop them on the legal basis and to try and fight it on the legal side. We have the legislature to pass our own bills, but we need the legal side of it as well. And that attorney general is that position, probably one of the most important elections, just as important as the governor here in the state. So regardless of who gets that nomination, and I will say after talking to all three of them, all three of them are wonderful candidates. And all three of them, I think, would do a fantastic job uh, coming from the legislature, coming from the legal side and coming from the secretary of state and that side of it with uh, the the feistiness 
that all three candidates would do a fantastic job, but we have to unite as Republicans regardless and support the candidate that gets the nomination. If we fail to do that, then we're only shooting ourselves in the foot while we're trying to run off the cliff with our pierced flag of waving high, and that's not what we're about. We're actually about you know being productive and doing stuff. What a concept, right? When we come back, right around the corner, Rebecca Schmoy, candidate for District Number 59, and that House seat. We'll talk with her and a heck of a lot more to get to on a powerhouse of a pre-election Saturday here on Kansas Talk on Wichita's Big Talker, KQAM. Stay here. Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier on the Big Talker KQAM. Darn right, you are. Welcome back into the program. It's Kansas Talk right here on Wichita's Big Talker KQAM. Thanks for joining us here on a Saturday morning, getting ready for another hot one. Now, here's the thing. My car doesn't have any air conditioning, so I roll down the windows and I drive really fast to try and get the nice wind. But when it's 103 degrees, it doesn't really matter. That's just the way it rolls. Welcome back into the show. 316-721-8255. 316-721-TALK. But I don't want to waste any time. Let's get right into our next one. It's time to meet the candidate. The government works for us, not the other way around. Elections 2022. We're going to hear a lot of that sounder here over the next week or so as we have one more program after this one that is going to be getting you set up for the August 2nd primary. And uh, we'll do some more of that next week. But right now, we've had her on the program many times before. But not as a candidate. Before we've had her on as uh, the organizer for the One Million Moms Against Gun Control, talking Second Amendment issues. And it's been a while since we've had her on the program. But now she's a candidate running for state representative for District Number 59. It's Rebecca Schmoyce. We sat down with her just a couple of days ago, and this is what she had to say. Rebecca, how are you today? I am doing great. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah, it's good to talk to you again. It's been way too long since we've had you on the show. And now you're transitioning from activist on the boots on the ground into running for the 59th district here in the state of Kansas. What uh, what spurred you to jump into the ring for elections? Well, as you know, I've been following politics for the last 10 years or so and actively involved in watching bills and talking about bills and even in some cases, helping to write or play with some of the wording in some of the bills. And so having some of that background, when my personal representative here in District 59 really surprised everybody at the the last day of session from the well, he announced his retirement. And so none of us saw it coming. We were not prepared. And I started making phone calls and sending emails and you know, asking all the who's who, all right, who's the guy? Who are we supporting? What's going on? Um, what can I do to help? And what I got back from my county Republican Party, the, the committee, was, we don't know. And do you know somebody? And so wow. I, at that point, said, well, I mean, I've got some experience, and I definitely know how to represent people, especially um, the people who want to adhere to the Constitution, I've been doing that already for 10 years, so if you'll support me, I'll put my name in the ring. And then they said, sure, you've got our support. So I went up and filed the paperwork. 
Wow. Wow. What a process. It sounds like a shocker to them. They weren't expecting him to drop out then either uh, from the well there. It was just kind of a surprise for everyone. Yeah, it was it was a huge surprise. Um, Blaine Finch has been my representative for most of the time that I have lived in the district. In fact, the entire time that I have been actively involved at the state level, he has been my representative. And so for him to just call it quits the last day of session as he's walking out, that was that was a huge thing. He posted it on Facebook, and I just happened to follow his page sure. and check in periodically from everything else I do. And I happened to see it there, and that it was a big shock. But, I mean, whatever it is that he's got going on that he is getting prepared for next, I wish him the best of luck. And hopefully my uh, the constituents here in District 59 will put their trust in me. Absolutely. Well, it's it is a big of a transition, like you said, from being the activist to being on the floor and actually debating some of these things. But it's what we need because we're seeing it happen all over the nation. I mean, Rebecca, I mean, I'm sure after, you know, Trump being in office and now we're seeing these moms run all over the place and running for school boards or running for attorney generals or running for state legislative seats. I mean, this is no different. There's a lot of issues that I'm sure are a concern to you, which is why you're wanting to make this change. But what type of issues do you want to focus on? Obviously, you've been involved with the Second Amendment industry for a long time with One Million Moms Against Gun Control and other organizations you're involved with as well. But if you become state uh, representative, what would you like to see and what would you like to focus your campaign on? The things that are important to me, for the most part, are, you know, I it's, it's like everybody else in my district and across Kansas and even across the nation. The biggest things that we've got right now is our, um, we want to keep more of our own money and we want the government to stay out of our business. And I know that that covers a ton of stuff, but what it all really boils down to is we have enough government right now. We have enough laws. We need to really start focusing on whether it's cleaning up laws that are already on the books that either don't make sense or are not being used correctly, or we need to start preventing some of the overreach laws. One of the things that really bothered me over this last session um, and then the session before of course, stemmed from uh, our reaction to COVID. It wasn't COVID itself. It, it was a horrible thing to have to go through. And I lost some very important people in my life um, who had battled that disease, um, the virus. And so it was, it was not COVID that caused such pain for us in the long run, it is our reaction to it, whether it was us giving uh, Governor Kelly carte blanche to close stores that she didn't own, whether it was her closing churches and us being suppressed of our First Amendment rights. It was just, it was such an overreach and it was such a slap in the face to all of us who believe in the Constitution and understand why it's so important that given the opportunity, I, I want to be able to stand in the gap between my friends and neighbors in, in my district and anyone who wants to overreach things that 
they have no actual control over. So it's that was really the biggest things. And then, of course, you've got um, our mental health system obviously needs some work. We're seeing that even in the Second Amendment community. Mm-hmm. Um, our veterans need our support. And I work with a, a committee that honors our veterans once a year around Veterans Day with this big parade, but that's not enough. We need to really be focusing on, you know, what they were promised from our government when they when they wrote that blank check for their life, for service, and what they're actually receiving on on the back end of that. And so there, there are a lot of things that really need cleaned up, and I am very focused and very prepared to go in and start cleaning. Well, I love it because that's exactly what needs to be done is a lot of cleaning up at that, uh, both at the federal and the statewide levels here, and it's a great start for that. Do you think, is there a concern now that we see this new quote-unquote variant of COVID-19 that they're talking about between monkeypox, now this BA5, that's the variant from the Omicron, and now we're talking about the NEA, the National Education Association, and the teachers' unions pushing for, again, nationwide mandatory masks or mandatory vaccines in the classrooms going into the fall semester uh, Rebecca, I know you have children. I mean, is this a concern for you? And is this something that we need to be concerned about going into this year as uh, the state? I spent the last year, the last school year, um, at every school board meeting locally because of things like that. It is extremely important to me. Even if I wasn't going to speak on behalf of a group of parents who wanted parental rights to be restored and for parents to make the health decisions for their kids. Even if I was just sitting in the audience to remind the school board that parents are paying attention. And so we, we, a statewide, nationwide, we need more of that. On top of that, we, we understand what the data has shown and that it's not kids who are spreading this. It's not, the kids aren't contracting and spreading this at the rates that they are trying to overreach the parents' <laughs> rights to determine. Yeah. Um, and so it's, it's hard to combat, but it is absolutely doable. Yeah. The, the idea that they want to add the shot to the list of vaccines is, is really cringeworthy, actually, because it's, data just continuously is flowing out showing that it's not effective for what they're trying to say that they want to accomplish. And so until they get something that will accomplish what they say they want to accomplish, we really need to put that on the back burner because we don't know the long-term effects of giving that particular shot to these children. And we won't know that for many years to come. Sure. Yeah. And it is a little concerning to me that so many kids and so many parents are taking their kids to go out and get it as soon as it became available, even now for the infants, which just blows my mind. We're talking with Rebecca Schmoy, candidate for state state representative seat district number 59 up in the northern part of the state. I got to ask you because you are involved in a lot of 2A issues, the One Million Moms Against Gun Control and other uh, other big projects that you have going on regarding 
the Second Amendment advocacy as well. We just saw the news about some other shootings that's happened recently and the uh, young kid in a mall that ended up stopping a bad guy. Shocker. And you talk about this all the time. Good guy with a gun stops bad, bad guy with a gun. I'm honestly more shocked that something like that has made the media and that the news is actually talking about uh, this issue with someone with a concealed carry stopping a criminal with a long rifle that was uh, planning to do a mass shooting. Your thoughts on that issue, and now that we do have, obviously, a lot of strong gun laws in the state of Kansas, how, as a legislator, could we preserve the Second Amendment in Kansas now that the federal government's going after, obviously, red flag laws and trying to reverse the Supreme Court decision on on uh, concealed carry laws and that sort of thing? What can we do here in Kansas? Okay, so, yeah, the, the shooting that just happened in the mall was it's really an example of somebody being in the right place at, at the right time. And unfortunately everything started to go wrong. Um, the, but the reason why it was the right place at the right time was because their constitutional carry had just gone into effect days before we weren't even a month out from their from their laws changing to where this young man could actually carry on his person to be prepared to protect himself and others, which is exactly what he did. The fact that the the uh, anti-rights crowd, and I try to not call them anti-gun because they are not anti-gun. They are perfectly fine with some people having guns. They just want to pick and choose, and they want to make sure that you can't. Sure. And so they're not anti-gun. They're anti-rights. And the fact that these people have come out saying, you know, that the guy was carrying illegally and how dare he and he's not a good guy is it just really goes to show that it was never about saving lives for them. It was never about safety. And we've been saying that for over a decade. I've been saying it publicly for a decade, but we've been saying it for several at this point that their entire goal is to pick and choose who gets to protect themselves. And so it, it was a horrible event. And I feel for everyone who was injured. And I, it's just, it is always a horrible event. And this guy has to carry the fact that he ended a life for the rest of his life. And that's, that's a hard thing to do. But he gets to go home to his family and continue to share with others how important it is and how valuable life is. Um, so on that hand, it is, it is fantastic yeah. that he gets to continue the message. Um, as far as what we can do in the state of Kansas, there is always something coming for our guns. I know it sounds crazy, <laughs> but after doing this for a decade, they just are relentless. And it's because if you cannot protect your life, you cannot protect any of your other rights. So one of the things that we do need to focus on are the basically going into the 10th Amendment to where we can put a stay on the federal mandated, because it hasn't quite passed all the way through yet um, at the rate that they want it to with the red flag laws. Um, There are already things on the books in every state. There's a 72-hour mental observation hold that you can use that actually, instead of just taking one form of 
um, weapon or one form of way that you can hurt yourself or others. It actually takes the person and puts them in a, into a safe environment and holds them there so that they can be evaluated. That gives them a chance for due process. Under red flag laws, you don't have any due process. Somebody makes a deal in the back room behind a closed door, a judge signs off on it, and then suddenly your property is being stolen and it's all perfectly legal. Mm -hmm. And so we really need to focus on how to circumvent the federal government's jurisdiction. And because of the Tenth Amendment, we have that ability to do that as the state of Kansas. And so I am very much looking forward to that. Um, also, I work with organizations like Hold My Guns, where if you feel like you're in crisis, then you can take your firearms and, and still keep your self-governance and take them and have them housed somewhere else while you or your family member works through your crisis situation. And then you go pick your property back up and you keep the government completely out of it, you know, the original way that it was supposed to be. Sure. And so we really need to focus on getting more education on that level. And also, we were trying last session to get a bill passed to have gun safety education, to have an actual standard in the state of Kansas, so that when schools choose to teach gun safety, we have a standard set like we do for every other topic that we teach, and so that we're not getting conflicting information from different districts or different classrooms. And so it's, it's very important for our kids. I mean, we train them everything else. You, we train them not to run out into the street. We train them not to touch the stove. We train them on how to drive a car because that can be dangerous. We train them on... Uh, sex ed. We train them on stranger danger. Um, the, the fact that we're not all training our kids on stop, don't touch, run away, tell a grown up is mind boggling to me. It's this first step of saving lives. Yeah. And so it's, it's imperative that we continue to push forward good information and shore up our gun rights and shore up just the individual liberty of Kansans, of, of people in my district, but across the state. Because without that, I, I'm not sure that we can say land of the free, home of the brave. You, you really need to be able to exercise your rights freely before you can call yourself free. Amen to that. I mean, you're absolutely right. And we do have a lot of work to do in the state. Like you said, the fact that we can't even pass a simple Eddie Eagle program saying don't touch a gun and go tell an adult as a child, the fact that the governor vetoed that shows that we have a little bit of work to do on that front. But overall, we're doing well uh, on that. Last question for this one, but do you think that we need to try and revitalize or try and revamp the Second Amendment Protection Act? I know that's been kind of a sticky subject for some. Obviously, it's still an act-ish, but parts of it obviously didn't work with those that are still battling some legal suits on uh, their practicing of the Second Amendment Protection Act. Is that the direction we need to go, or do you think we need to just do something else in preservation of the Second Amendment with the state against the federal government? Honestly, until I get in there and actually see 
what the different conversations are and see what we can do as far as melding some of the some of the things that people are kicking around as good ways to solve these problems, then I can't really answer that. Yeah. However, if it were up to me, with the knowledge that I have right at this moment, I would give stronger teeth to the Second Amendment Protection Act. I think that it was a fantastic bill. I think that it, it unfortunately didn't have its language cleaned up at the time that uh, we went through the Cox and Kettler case. Yeah. And so I know since then it, it has gone through some cleaning process. Unfortunately, without teeth in it, there's, it's just all bark. Sure. And we cannot protect our Kansans just by barking. We, we need to have that bite to it so that it actually serves as the deterrent that it was meant to be. Sure. Yeah, there it is. That was uh, it's a Rebecca Schmoy, candidate for District Number 59, State Representative. We had a couple minutes left on that interview, but we're running short on time on that one. So we appreciate her time very, very much. You can go and check her out. And I tell you what, with an open seat like that, just making the legislature more and more conservative every day, we always appreciate that. And uh, you know what? I think we're in good shape. I am so excited about these elections, not just for August 2nd, but also for November, because when we show up and we dominate Democrats with a red wave nationally and locally here across the state of Kansas, we are going to win. I sound like Donald Trump. Now. We're going to win on so many levels. It's going to be huge. It's going to be bigly. But when we have a solid conservative legislature, not just Republican, that is, in many cases, had Republicans actually stall even conservative and Republican uh, legislation because they pretend to be Republican, but then they really side with Democrats on many issues. We have been our own obstacle on that front. Once we get a Republican governor, once we get a Republican treasurer, once we get a Republican attorney general, once we get a Republican across the board, we can start promoting some good legislation and we can have a voice again in the state. And I'm feeling optimistic about that. And she's another great one that's going to be rocking it in the legislature, hopefully uh, come up in uh, November, but uh, she's got her primary coming up on August 2nd. So if you're in that district number 59, go and check that out and uh, you can see the other candidates as well. When we come back right around the corner, we have a lot more to get to. I want to take some phone calls as we have some calls on the line. So don't worry, but right around the corner to kick off hour number two, Karen Tyson. She is a state senator right now, also candidate for Kansas treasurer. We'll be chatting with her as we continue on with our election coverage of 2022. Plus Derek Schmidt, bottom of the hour, next hour to wrap up the program is current attorney general and candidate for governor telling you man we stack these shows we load it up for you and we do it as we get right into the election one more episode after this next week before you go to the polls are you ready do you know who you're voting for do you know what all the candidates stand for and who they are and what they've done to make sure you make that right choice we'll continue that coverage right here on candace talk we'll wrap up our number one right here on wichita's big talker 1480 kqam stay here Unfiltered. Broadcasting live from West Wichita in the KQAM studios.
It's time for your weekend kickstart with Wichita's number one conservative talk radio host. This is Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier. Welcome into hour number two of Kansas Talk right here on Wichita's Big Talker, 1480 KQAM. Thanks for joining us today. As always, a pleasure. It's getting warmer. I'm watching the dial continuously climb here in the studio, and I'm not okay with this. Not okay with this. My yard looks half dead, which I guess is good news. I don't have to mow. <laughs> but I'm staying inside most of the weekend. I'm just throwing that out there. Thank you, Global Warming. Thank you, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. For making it nice and roasty toasty outside hey welcome into the program it's hour number two boy did we have a heck of an hour number one kelly warren candidate for attorney general and current state senator also rebecca schmoy one million moms against gun control also candidate for house district number 59 great lineup there karen tyson we'll try and get her on the program here in a few minutes uh, wasn't able to contact at the top of the hour but don't worry we'll get her hard on the campaign trail probably out walking knocking doors as we speak so We'll get her on. If not, we'll try and get her rescheduled till next week. It's not a big deal. Bottom of the hour, we have Derek Schmidt, candidate for attorney general, uh, candidate for governor and current attorney general, as we do our monthly update talking about legal issues and attorney general things. And we'll slip in a few election questions as well. So, but right now, open lines to you at 316-721-8255, 316-721-TALK, since we have an open time. And I want to hear your thoughts. Are you ready for election time? Do you know who you're voting for? Do you know what candidates are going to be on the ballot for you? And uh, especially with the big race, with the attorney general's race, where are you uh, feeling on that race right now? Because that is going to be, I think, an important race for sure. Uh, probably the most uh, the most important race for the attorney for the primaries. Obviously, the value them both bill is going to be the other big one. According to the Topeka Capital Journal, the latest poll shows that the value them both bill is neck and neck at nation uh, statewide in the polls. And again, I have to probably disagree on that because I have seen. I could probably count on one hand the number of no signs that I've seen. Now, granted, I drive a specific way every single day, so I only see the same ones all the time. But I've seen only a handful that I could probably count on one hand the no signs compared to the vote yes signs on the value of them both. But according to the statewide polls, it is a neck and neck race, which uh, we can interpret one of two ways. Either it is really close, in which case we need to be concerned and we need to try and ram that through, or it is a way for us to try and rally ourselves to make sure we show up and try not to take it for granted and just expect it to go through because we're in a Bible belt, because we're a relatively conservative state, and we need to make sure that that one goes through. So where are you feeling? How are you feeling going into election season? Do you have your choices on your candidates? I want to hear from you at 316-721-8255. And with that, we have the lines lit up. So let's go to the phones here. Line at number one. Good morning. Who's this? Scott. Scott, what's going on, sir? How are we doing? Well, too many of the politicians are hiding behind the bureaucracy. Uh, in the case of Wichita, they decided to give uh, some clan, uh, Ku Klux Klan uh, police officers a vacation. And they'll be back on the street uh, administering their uh, racist type of justice on the citizens here. And, I mean, I think that uh, it's important that if a politician is going to run for an office, that he's going to say, hey, uh, I need to stand up for all the people. And if all the people aren't getting equal justice and equal opportunity, 
then you failed as a politician. You have a wishbone where your backbone should be. You need to have a backbone and stop letting bureaucrats run everything and get up there just like Trump did. Trump had a backbone, and too many of these politicians had wishbones, and they were scared of them. And so that's why they were trying to bring him down. Do you think that Donald Trump has awakened many to, uh, not not in the woke terms, but has awakened many to try and stand up and run for office that do have uh, the backbone, or as some say, the huevos, to try and actually fight for what needs to be fought for? Because I think that, you're right, that is important. We need to stand up for everybody, for law enforcement, for the communities, and for you know the downtrodden, and for minorities, and for non-minorities, and for everyone. We don't want to use the identity of politics and label people and put them into categories. We just want humanity to be served to where they, t- and not be served to be as in taken care of, and us take care of them as government, but for them to have the ability to take care of themselves, which is what it's all about. And I think Donald Trump woke up a lot of people to do that. Well, I mean, Rock, I mean, uh, Donald Trump's record speaks for itself. He was able to at least represent all the people. Unlike the politicians here in, in Wichita and Edmond County, they have a special interest group that they are, you know, catering to. And after that, they don't care about everybody else. I mean, if the police are racist against black people, they don't care. If they don't have a grocery store over there in this part of town, they don't care. But now they might want you to vote. But, you know, people have to learn that, hey, if you're going to vote, you need to demand something of these politicians. If they can't do it, they can get somebody in there who can. Yeah, I, hey, I'm right there with you. Get the job done or get the hell out of the way is uh, the mentality. And I think a lot of people are at that level, which is why we're seeing the 3-3 three to three split right now on the uh, Board of Education for the city of Wichita and a USD 259 because people said, hey, you know what, we're not going to deal with the mask mandates or the vaccine mandates or this stuff. We didn't realize you had that much power and control and you're not going to control us anymore and we're going to make a change here pretty drastically. And a lot of people stood up and ran for office and won because of that. So you're right, either get the job done or get out of the way and let someone else do it that has the capability to do it. I like that mentality, Scott, and uh, I'm looking forward to seeing how the election turns out on August 2nd. Scott, appreciate that. Let's go back to the lines here, shall we? Line number two. Good morning. Who's this? Hey, Andy, it's Sean. Mr. Sean, how are you, sir? Well, uh, I just got home, so I'm trying to cool off. It's a little early, but I'm partaking of my favorite adult beverage. (laughs) Well, it's 5 o'clock somewhere, and it's a Saturday, so who cares, right? Yeah, who cares? Besides, I got some pain to uh, I'm trying to kill. I got uh, some real bad nerve pain running down through the side of my neck, and it was so bad last Tuesday, I couldn't go downtown to register to vote. Mm. I thought, well, crap. The next day, I get my advanced ballot in the mail. I'm going to get the vote. Yeah, I must be, I don't know, did the laws change? Because it used to be, you know, you had to register to vote for every election, get your voter card in the mail, along with the place on it where you got to go and vote. No, no. If you if you are registered to vote and if you have not moved, uh, moved districts or moved houses or anything, you do not have to re-register or to change any information. If you are registered to vote from a prior election and you are still all the same, then you don't have to worry about it. You're still registered. I have not gone out to re-register this election. I will be able to walk in and be able to vote on August 2nd. Well, that's good. I'm going to fill out my ballot, take it to the uh, courthouse next week. Uh, There you go. Who I'm going to vote for, pretty much. I'm going to vote for Gary Moran. Uh, I'm going to vote, of course, yes on the uh, on the uh, uh, abortion restriction. Yep. 
Yeah, I I wanted to do that really bad. Um, I I was thinking because I I too see more uh, vote yes signs and vote no. I was figuring that uh, you know the vote yes will probably win. I don't like hearing that it's neck and neck. So I definitely got to get my vote in. Oh yeah, definitely get your vote in. Now I think personally, I think this is the media trying to show how trying to cover up how unpopular their stance is on this and, and some of the lies that they've said on some of their campaign ads saying to vote no on that one. So, of course, it's the media and the polls are never accurate. So they're trying to take advantage of it and maybe fluff up the numbers on the vote no. But uh, now I have seen a lot of vote no signs in, you know, inner parts of the city of Wichita. Outside of that, I live on the outskirts and I see no signs ever or vote yes signs everywhere. I mean, I see the purple value them both signs pretty much everywhere I go. Again, I've only counted the no signs maybe on a single hand because that's how few. I've heard others that are more within the inner city parts of Wichita, but I don't think it's as close as what they're saying. I think it will win if we, like you said, turn out and vote and actually make our vote count. Yeah, well, here's here's my thing. Dermoran, Moran, Ron Estes, Derek Schmidt, Governor, uh, Scott Schwab for Secretary of State. Mm. Um, now, Attorney General. I don't know, man. Uh, it's kind of close. I heard your interview with uh, Kelly Tony, uh, or Tony Mativi last week. I almost said Tony Montana, but that's because <laughs> Scarface. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I like what he had to say. I like his uh, creds, his bona fides. But uh, Chris Kobach's a known quantity. He's endorsed by. Uh, Ted Cruz, and I like Ted Cruz, so I don't know, man. I have to think about that one. It's it's a hard one. Like you said, we had Tony Mativi on last week. At the very beginning, the first part of the program today, we had Kelly Warren on the show, who just got endorsed by Mike Pompeo and Senator Roger Marshall, so she's got some big endorsements. Chris Kobach, as you mentioned, is always a popular guy and a well-known voice and a big fighter, so that is a difficult race, and three wonderful candidates, I think, on that ballot. It's just going to be really hard to see and I'm interested to see what direction people go with this one. Yeah, me too. I'm going to vote for Karen Tyson for treasurer. And then there's something to, to the precinct 405 committee woman. There's no candidate. I think I'll write myself in as committee woman. Hey, there you go. Well, you know what? If you want to run and be head of the precinct in your area, then uh, all the power to you. That's a great way to try to get boots on the ground and uh, and help out. There you go. Write no, yourself I, in. I, I think to be funny, I'll write your name in for committee. Committee one. <laughs> I don't think I live in your district. While I while I wouldn't mind doing a precinct, I don't think I live in your district to be able to do so. Yeah. Okay. Well. All right. Um, have a nice weekend. Don't get too much sun. Um, don't worry. Winter will be here, and you'll get probably some brutally cold days that you love so much hey you know what i wore I, I i've been wearing shorts every day for this entire summer because it's extremely way too hot for me but i've been wearing shorts last winter as well because i enjoy that so when it gets cold outside again i can go outside i can do my just calm peaceful meditations and take a deep breath of the nice chill air and then i can actually feel alive again but man it is really hard to eat peppers and hot salsa and really spicy things when it's already 102 degrees outside i'm just saying well, I'm sure it is. Uh, all every summertime is uh, uh, shorts and t-shirt and pennies or flip-flops. But in the wintertime, I, I'm getting too old for shorts in the wintertime, man. I, I got to have something long on. Uh, you know, even if it's 40 degrees out. <laughs>
<laughs> that's right. So. That's right. Sean, I appreciate it, my friend. I'm glad you got your, your ballot and excited to get that in there. And you're right. I mean, it is going to be a very interesting election going into August and into November thereafter as well. So I appreciate it very much, my friend. Stay cool out there and enjoy that adult beverage. It is 5 o'clock somewhere, and that's what it's all about. Real quickly here as well, as we talk about going into the fall semester and school and elections and the importance of having control again, headline from Topeka Capital Journal that USD 501 the Topeka Board of Education is considering tasks, uh, mask mandates for the first day of school all over again. We're not over this crap yet. We're not over it. It's not going away, and they're not letting it go away. They're now talking about the mask mandates again, which I don't know why. I mean, we have a few cases, I guess, for the new BA5 variant uh, or sub-variant of the Omicron variant already, which they say is more dangerous. Hasn't really increased deaths at all. Has increased the cases, but that's about it. They just like to talk about cases to scare everybody, but that doesn't really mean anything. And then monkeypox really isn't doing anything at all. Do we even have any cases in Kansas? Monkeypox, I don't know that we do. I really don't. Now, according to them, 95% of monkeypox cases are being transmitted through adult activities so if that's the case then i think there's a very simple solution to slow down the spread of monkeypox but you know of course people don't want to do that that's why they're fighting for the abortion thing let's do whatever the hell we want to without any repercussions i want to be able to make any choice i want without any consequence in any way shape or form okay cool see how well that works out for you in the world called reality Got to take a break. When we come back, we'll get our update from the AARP. We'll also get set for Derek Schmidt, candidate for governor and current attorney general. We'll talk about some legal issues with him as we get ready to wrap up the show for another Saturday here on Candace Talk on Wichita's Big Talker KQAM. Stay here. talking again with the AARP, whether it's the Fraud Watch Network, Retirement Calculator, getting involved in the community, make sure to check them out online, aarp.org slash ks for the state of Kansas. Also find them and follow them on their social media as well. And Mary's on the line with us this week. Mary, how are you today? I'm doing great, Andy. How about you? Are you staying cool? We are trying to stay cool. It is the best that I think anybody can do is uh, do their best to stay cool. We talk a lot about your guys' Fraud Watch Network and all the frauds that go on, the scams that happen, and different seasonal scams. But there's one that's always kind of an underlying scam and fraud that happens all the time to everybody. And unfortunately, Candace is a big target for this one for some reason. But uh, identity theft, people stealing your identity, people stealing your personal information. What a scary thing to go through. It really is, and actually, uh, I found out that my identity has been stolen, and so I am working very hard on um, on making sure that my um, bank accounts are locked down, my credit cards are locked down. Um, you know, my my I've frozen my credit reports, and um, it's but it, it is it it's it's work, and I have learned though that that no matter what you do, somebody's going to have your information out there. So. Um, you just have to be careful, and and um, we've got some tips today to to let people know what they can do. Perfect. Let's talk about some of those. No matter uh, no matter what you're doing online or in person in stores or whatever. I mean, how are people getting your identity, and what can you do to protect yourself? Yeah, and before we talk about that, um, let me just say show you what the problem is. Um, in 2019, Kansas, the top scam was imposter scams with a, a little over four thousand identity theft scams. We're at 2,272 in 2019, and this is Kansans who report that to the federal government. 
jump to 2021, identity theft, our top scam in Kansas, almost 40,000 complaints. So we went from 4,500 to 40,000, and, and, and we're, we were one of the top states in, in the country in 2021 for identity theft. Wow. So that's how important it is. <laughs> yeah, that is extremely important, and it's, it's sad how many people fall victim to this. Right, right. So, so here's what you can do, and these are just some things, you know, you don't maybe have to do all of them, but just think about them. Um, and we also have all of this information on the aarp.org website. So if you just search identity theft, you'll find all kinds of resources. But a couple are securing your mailbox. And I know a lot of people, myself included, I don't have a lock on my mailbox. But if you really want to be secure, you should put a lock so that no one else besides the postman can get into your mailbox. Um, Another thing is to limit the amount of mail that you receive. So you can go online, uh, make sure that you're you're getting online account statements and credit card statements um, so that someone's not sending you that information anyway. Um, never. This is this is. You know, an easy one, never leave personal information in your car. Don't, you know, when you get out, don't leave your purse. Don't leave your wallet sitting in the side seat so someone can see it. Um, it, it people people can come and take those right out of your car. Sure. Another one, and I, this is so important, and it's just shredding documents that contain any personal information, whether it be your name, your address, your phone number, social security number, anything. Shred those. Do not just toss them in the trash can, be sure to shred them so that someone gets a hold of those. They can't find the numbers on there. Wow. And another thing is, is passcodes for electronic devices. You know, we've talked about that before. Just, you know, make sure that, um, that you have different passcodes for different accounts and, um, and that you make sure that those passcodes are locked somewhere, either, either a place only you can find or, or um, on, on a digital app. Um, that, that do, does that. Um, and another thing is to um, um, don't carry your Social Security card. I think most people are aware of that. It has your Social Security number, and that can unlock a lot of, of, of your um, accounts if, you, if they have that Social Security number. Um, and then be sure to monitor your account activity. You know? If you don't pay attention when your credit card bill comes, start doing that. Find out, make sure that the purchases that are on there are really purchases that you've made. And the final thing, and this thing is what helps me the most, is register with the three credit reporting agencies. There's Equifax, Experian, and TransUnion. Make sure that you go on all of those, register your accounts. Um, if, if it's appropriate, freeze those accounts, which is what I have done, so that no one can um, get into those and, and, and get credit um, given to them. Uh, and you can make inquiries and find out what your credit are and if people have made inquiries to get a credit card in your name, which is what's happening to me. So, um, so those are some some good tips just to to you know at least start the process yeah. of, of protecting your identity. That's some great information. It's ways to protect yourself and kind of limit that exposure because we're out in public and we're going to have information out there or when we're online. There's always going to be that digital trace or that that, that footprint that you have online. But trying to limit that and protect is is the best way that you can actually prevent from someone stealing that information. That's exactly right. The more you do, the better. That's what it's all about. Uh, we got just about a minute or so left here. Talk about what else is going on with the AARP. Well, we have lots of activities. We're going to have a concert in August 
um, uh, with Dave Zerfus. He's a kind of a pioneer song poet um, uh, musician. So that'll be that'll be a, a fun thing on a, on August twelfth. We've also, if you want to learn more about getting on Facebook and learning how TikTok works and LinkedIn and those things, we're, we're going to have a social media seminar at the end of August. But you can find all that on our website at www.aarp.org ks, and then go to the events section. There's a whole list of webinars and concerts and, and fun things to, to take part in. So, um and we hope everybody will do that. Absolutely. Go and check it out. Always great information. Always great things to entertain you and educate you at the same time. It's aarp.org slash KS for the state of Kansas. Also find them and follow them on the social media as well. Mary, it's always good to talk to you. We'll do it again next week. Okay. Sounds good. Thanks, Andy. Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier. Welcome back into Kansas Talk right here on Wichita's Big Talker KQAM. Thanks for hanging out with us today on another Saturday morning. Excited to have this guy on the program as we do every single month, talking about some issues going on with the Attorney General's office. And uh, we'll talk about elections here in just a little bit as well. But excited to have on here current Attorney General for the state of Kansas, Mr. Derek Schmidt. Derek, how are you, my friend? Andy, I'm doing great. Thanks. Good to be back with you. You as well. Always good to chat with you, my friend. There's a lot of stuff going on. Holy cow, I don't even know where to start with some of these issues. You've been involved in, uh, and we talk about this every month, not just uh, statewide issues here, but things going on nationally with this Biden administration that doesn't quite seem to get it. And I laugh because they seem to be stopped at every corner. One of the latest ones with this Title Title IX issue with women's sports that we've talked about in the state legislature here in Kansas, but the Biden administration wanting to make changes at the federal level. And just again, just like what the Supreme Court did a few weeks ago, another federal court blocks their changes. Yes, that's exactly right. I mean, there's a, a lively debate going on this con- in this country about how to treat transgender issues specifically as applied to women's sports. And that is to say, whether people who are biologically male uh, may transition and then compete against women and girls in women's sports, Title IX sports. In Kansas, the law doesn't speak directly to that. The legislature twice has tried to create law that says uh, males compete in men's sports, females compete in women's sports. The governor's vetoed that twice. It's, a state, it's an issue the state of Kansas ought to be able to resolve on our own. And then here comes the Biden administration trying to put their thumb on the scale and create this nationwide decree that says that states can't make those decisions for themselves. Instead, the federal government's going to decide we're going to have a one-size-fits-all uh, policy all over the country, and the policy is going to be that states may not uh, require separate male and female sports in the way we're talking about here. So we filed suit against the Biden administration. We said you can't do that. That's beyond what federal law allows, and it's a bad idea. And uh, so far, the federal courts have agreed with us and put a stop to that. Now, with the federal courts stopping this, uh, how how hard do you think they're going to pursue to try and overturn that and take it to another level of courts? Because obviously, with their identity politics, with how much they focus on these issues, they want this to happen. And with how many losses they've seen over the last few weeks and months, that they're desperate for a win to go into campaign season. So do you think they're going to try and pursue this further? 
Oh, I would imagine they'll appeal. They usually do on these things. They haven't formally noticed that yet, at least not to my knowledge. But uh, we'll keep fighting them. Look, uh, what they're trying to do is both illegal and it's it's bad public policy. It's just it's a wrong idea. These ought to be matters that states can decide. And in Kansas, we ought to be able to decide it the way the majority of our people prefer. Sure. That is very true. Uh, now, at the statewide level, I know you've worked with the legislature on this issue as well. This has been a lingering uh, resolution that we've tried to work on here uh, for a while as well. Do you think that uh, it's going to gain some momentum going into next legislative session as well? Well, I think it will. This is one of those common sense issues that most people, Republican, Democrats, independents, libertarians, they look at this and sort of cock an eyebrow and say, well, that's just common sense. Why, why doesn't the law uh, provide for that? Uh, and I'm surprised the governor has vetoed the bill twice. I, I, I just think that's not consistent with where most Kansans are. I'm hopeful it'll become law next year. Uh, I win this election. I, of course, will sign it. And uh, uh, we'll just see how things play out. But, yeah. um, yeah. you know, it's a real disappointment that we've gotten this far and not been able to codify this common sense requirement as long. That is true. Well, it's come so close, and we just haven't had quite the, the last few votes to be able to do the, the veto override. So like you said, hopefully by next year we won't need the veto override. We just need the simple majority, which then it'll pass, I think, relatively quickly. So that is good news, and I think that's optimism and light at the end of the tunnel. On the other front here, we've talked quite a bit about immigration on the program and some of the lawsuits with immigration. The problem I'm seeing now, uh, Derek, is that we've had states like Texas and Arizona and New Mexico spend millions upon millions of dollars of their own statewide money to do something the federal government is supposed to be doing. And then just last time we've talked, we talked about some of the protections that Trump put in during COVID as really the only way to stop illegal immigrants from crossing the border and for us to actually have some type of enforcement at the, fed or at the federal level down on the southern border which I think is insane. Now we have Texas and Arizona shipping buses of illegal immigrants up to Washington, D.C. to make them deal with the issue because it's just such a burden that they can't handle it any longer. What's the latest here, and are we starting to maybe force the government to do what they're supposed to be doing on this issue? Well, I hope we're making progress. The problem, of course, is the Biden administration and its philosophy of retreat from the border. And for whatever reason, and we can debate it, we can speculate about it, I don't know. I'm not inside the Biden administration. But they have essentially just disarmed, uh, stood down on border enforcement, border security, and all of the related policies. So it's like hanging out a giant welcome sign uh, and then not locking the door to decide who gets to come in and who doesn't. And so very frustrating. Uh, we, of course, challenged that on a number of fronts uh, since President Biden's been elected. Most recent uh, that we've had some success on, we joined with Texas and Arizona and some other states. Um, they have challenged a decision by the Biden administration, kind of a down-in-the-weeds thing, but basically the administration wants to ignore federal law that sets rules for deportation and certain categories of aliens, particularly those who come here and commit crimes, not immigration crimes, but other crimes. Uh, who are supposed to be priorities for deportation, and uh, the administration wants to essentially rewrite that law or ignore it and set their own priorities, which unsurprisingly involve very little deportation at all. And so we've sued them. We said, you've got to follow the law the way it's written by Congress. If you don't like it, go to Congress and get it changed, but you can't just ignore it. And uh, the federal courts have agreed with us on that and put a stop to that, at least temporarily. So I, I, I don't know. I wish we weren't having to be in this fight. Immigration is supposed to be a federal issue. Yeah. It's one of the few things that the Constitution actually says the federal government's supposed to be doing. They do a lot of things they're not supposed to be doing, but this is something they are supposed to be doing, and they don't uh, seem willing to step up and deal with it. But because of that, states have to step into the gap, as Arizona and Texas have. I think New Mexico is going to be doing more. Um, and as the saying goes, all of us are border states now, because, of course, once uh, once uh, 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 
we wind up with trouble coming into the country. And by trouble, I mean things like drug cartels and drug running. Yeah. Um, you know, it doesn't stop in Texas and Arizona. They move freely into Kansas, bring fentanyl into our communities, methamphetamine into our communities. And so we all have an interest in, in, uh, in trying to do what we can to put a stop to this. Yeah, it's been an, a frustrating issue, I know, for years upon years and decades in numerous different administrations. And like you said, we have the laws on the books. All we got to do is just enforce them, just actually follow the laws that are on the books that Congress had already passed, you know, 30, 40 years ago and actually make something like this happen. And yet they don't seem to do so. And like you said, I mean, they, they expand government to get their hands into other issues they're not supposed to be, but they refuse to actually follow the laws on what they're actually supposed to be doing. The states that are taking the matters into their own hands uh, with Texas, with New Mexico, with Arizona, with all these border states that are battling this issue, are they justified in doing so? Because then the federal government tries to go out to them and say, wait a second, you're not supposed to touch this issue. It is our duty. We just choose not to follow it, and you just have to go along with it. Are they justified in coming up with their own solutions to try and handle the issue? Well, I think they have to, and it is unfortunately an imperfect solution, but it's the it's the only range of options available uh, when the federal government deliberately stands down. Uh, it's not that Texas and Arizona are stepping up to try to uh, conduct immigration enforcement on behalf of the federal government. That is a federal issue. It's that Texas and Arizona are stepping up and saying the second-order consequences, the harm to our states and our citizens that's being caused by, <clears throat> pardon me, by the federal government's uh, standing down at the border. Those are things that we have to deal with. It's crime, it's drug distribution, it's trespassing, it's all kinds of issues, humanitarian issues uh, that states do traditionally deal with. And so uh, my hat's off to them for standing up and stepping up. And, and I think Kansas ought to be doing more to support them. As, as I have said many times, uh, they've asked for help and assistance. Uh, our current governor has declined. Uh, I call it a political game. I don't think it's uh, political, and I don't think it's a game. Yeah. I think it's a deadly serious matter that is terribly sad for our country, and we can do so much better. We can do so much better. Even the Hispanic populations that are on the border there, I mean, I've talked to you know a lot of uh, different Hispanic individuals with our new station, with La Raza that we have here, even in the Wichita area, and even they mentioned just how bad the cartels are. It's not just about the illegal immigrants trying to come over and do what they have to do for a better life. It's the actual cartels that are forcing them to do so in some way, shape, or manner. It's the control they have over the children and over the women, and like you said, the drugs and the human trafficking and the gun trafficking. I mean, there's a serious issue that the other side, for some reason, doesn't want to talk about. They focus on all the humanitarian issues there, which there are some, and we can address those and have a rational conversation, but at the same time, when the cartels are controlling this industry, then it gets to be very deadly very quickly. That's absolutely true. It is not, I think, possible to separate the humanitarian disaster that the administration has invited from the public safety and public health disaster that has come with it. Uh, because the chaos at the border that's invited by the Biden administration's policies that, that manifests itself in this humanitarian disaster, the chaos itself is what creates cover and an invitation for the cartels, the international bad actors, the the, the organized criminal entities with terrible intent, it gives them cover to ply their trade uh, even more effectively in terms of crossing the border, bringing in drugs, bringing in crime, doing real harm to real people in the United States. And so uh, you, you have to fix both in order to fix either. Yeah, absolutely. We're talking with Derek Schmidt, candidate for governor, also current attorney general for the state of Kansas. Let's shift gears a little bit and bring it down to the home front here in Kansas. And we, you and I have talked about this a little bit before as well, about some of the opioid issues here in the state. But the uh, Kansas Fights Addiction Grant Review Board is uh, working to dis distribute some of the funds after getting some money to try and battle this issue. I know it's been a huge issue here in Kansas, but what's the latest? And are we going to be able to start battling some of the crises and addiction going on in Kansas? 
short answer is yes, Andy, and I, I'm, I'm really very pleased with this. I think that uh, we have an opportunity that's never come along before. Obviously, substance use disorder addiction is a tremendous problem here in Kansas, as it is all around the country. Uh, but we have a very large number of people whose lives have been damaged or shattered by drug addiction, substance abuse. Uh, some of them, the harm is confined to themselves, which is terrible and sad in and of itself. But others, the harm is community-wide in terms of lost productivity, in terms of uh, crime or other misconduct in our communities. So we all have an interest in trying to break this cycle of addiction for as many people as we can. The issue often has been uh, a lack of resources. These things are not uh, cheap and easy to accomplish. And fortunately, uh, uh, we've been able at the Attorney General's Office to recover a significant amount of money here in recent uh, recent months from some of the large drug companies that peddled addiction for profit uh, in the opioid marketplace 10, 15, 20 years ago. Uh, they caused a portion of this problem, and now their funds are going to help us, enable us to address a portion of it. We're bringing about $200 million in recoveries back to Kansas. That'll be over the next 17 years. That is more money than we have put into substance abuse uh, uh, issues uh, ever in Kansas. We are, we are recovering more than we typically invest. And so we have an opportunity here working with the legislature, Republicans and Democrats. We got the Kansas Fights Addiction Act passed. That directs how these funds are to be spent. And essentially the bottom line is this money that we've recovered is to be dedicated to dealing with substance abuse uh, addiction prevention and dealing with mitigation of the consequences once we have folks who are addicted. So a window is opening for us to do so much better in dealing with substance use disorder in Kansas. We'll have resources. Uh, we have great volunteers who have stepped up and are serving on the, on the board that's going to direct uh, what priorities we address. And uh, uh, I think we're going to make some progress here. That is good news. Now, how is the money going to be distributed? Is it going to go to like rehab facilities? Is it going to go to like prevention programs? Where's the money going here? Right. So under the terms of the settlements, uh, it's very permissive. The money has to be used for purposes that address substance use disorder, either prevention or mitigation uh, once you already have people who are addicted. Uh, There is by statute now, this Kansas Fights Addiction Act statute, there is a board that's set up. It has folks from all over the state from different disciplines, from different philosophies, uh, and their mission is going to be to receive applications to use this money. They're going to evaluate what they think is the best use based on who's asking uh, and then direct the funds that way. So we don't have any, we don't have bureaucrats, we don't have politicians, we have folks who have a keen interest in substance use disorder and how to address it uh, on the board who are taking a look at this and saying, all right, that's a good idea, let's give that a try, that's not so hot or that's not a high priority. When they kicked off their meeting, uh, I uh, welcomed them. I'm not going to be participating in the board's deliberations after this, but I did go and welcome them at their first meeting. And the only thing I recommended to them was to think boldly. We won't have this opportunity again. Uh, We have a chance to try things that perhaps haven't been tried before or we wouldn't try ordinarily. We have a chance to prove concepts that we can then, if they work and they have the effect of driving down addiction rates and dealing with substance use disorder, that um, we have a chance then to prove this works, let's keep doing that, or this didn't work even though it seemed like it was going to be a good idea. Uh, so I, I hope they will think boldly. I think they will. And uh, uh, like I say, we have a real opportunity here. Yeah, there's a real opportunity. Now, what is the worst right now that we're still dealing with? Is it still the fentanyl issue? Is it methamphetamine? I know that we've talked about some of the drugs that are really the big uh, addiction problems here in the state right now, but uh, what's what's the latest that we've seen? Well, certainly fentanyl is in the headlines now. It is uh, a particularly uh, problematic drug because it is so deadly. A tiny, tiny amount kills. Uh, 
Uh, it's a, a synthetic opioid, and so it is directly connected to the prescription opioid addiction crisis that was created by the drug companies that resulted in these settlements. They got a lot of folks uh, needlessly addicted to prescription painkillers, and then when the prescription drugs were no longer available, some subset of those folks who were addicted turned to the streets to find heroin and now to find fentanyl. Uh, they were looking for fentanyl, but uh, a lot of times the cartels or the manufacturers lace different uh, products with fentanyl. So fentanyl is in the headlines now, very deadly, serious problem. But don't lose sight of the fact that methamphetamine is still king in Kansas uh, and that the volume of meth that's being uh, imported and distributed in our communities is still very, very large. Uh, it's a direct consequence of the lack of border security, and uh, it's a serious problem here. Yeah, I was just going to ask it. I mean, how much is that tied to what we just talked about with immigration and with the cartels and with some of the drug smuggling? Is that where the majority of it's coming from, or are we seeing a lot of the labs and cooking it here locally? Now, nearly all of the methamphetamine on Kansas streets now is imported. Uh, 15, 20 years ago, of course, we had a huge clandestine laboratory problem with folks cooking up meth in the back 40 in the barn in the abandoned house, uh, whatever it may be. When the, the state really cracked down on access to some of the precursor drugs, you remember the old debate about putting Sudafed behind the counter, which was a real problem if you had a head cold, but it had a real effect on, on clamping off access for some of the meth cooks. The, the number of clandestine labs, the cook-it-yourself stuff, went way down. It still happens, but it's a relatively small number now. Hmm. The vast, vast majority of the supply for meth in Kansas is met by uh, cartel distributions coming in over the southern border and being distributed through uh, drug distribution networks in our communities. Sure. we got a couple minutes left here with Derek Schmidt, current attorney general for the state of Kansas, candidate for governor in the state as well. i got to ask you about uh, school uh, season. I mean, the fall school season is starting up here in just a couple of weeks, which is hard to believe that we're going into the end of July and August already. It's unbelievable. Nationwide, we're hearing about the teachers' unions. We're hearing about the, the movement again to try and uh, try and talk about mask mandates, talking about vaccine mandates all over again because of these new variants, uh, this new BA5 subvariant of COVID-19, of this monkeypox garbage that's going on as well. Are we concerned in Kansas about uh, potential legal uh, lawsuits or potential issues and battles again with mandating masks and or vaccines going into the school year for our children? Well, there's always reason for concern, but look, the bottom line for me, and I think for the vast majority of Kansans, is it's been a very rough couple of years in, in the schools as well as in society generally because of COVID and because of the government response to COVID. We're not going back. Let's pull together. Let's go forward. Let's stay focused on getting the kids in school, keeping the kids in school, keeping them healthy. Yeah. Let's focus on having them learn more, certainly um, – uh, academic performance has receded in the past two years, in part because of COVID. There are other factors as well. Uh, we have done a real disservice to a generation of kids here in terms of uh, how they've been treated by their state uh, in their education and in their development. And we need to turn the, not turn the clock back. We need to go forward and make sure that we keep uh, absolutely focused on how we best serve these kids uh, and not on uh, these sort of uh, frustrating debates about uh, mandates and all that kind of stuff. That was uh, a bad idea at the time, and it would be a bad idea to go back to it. Yeah, imagine that. Focus on the actual educational part of school when they go back into the fall semester there as well. Uh, i got to ask you, Derek, we're going into the last week, week and a half here, before the primaries in Kansas on August 2nd. I know you kind of sort of have a primary going on uh, for the Republicans, but looking out uh, to some of the other races and going into the general election, how are you guys feeling on the campaign trail right now? 
Well, the trail feels very good. I've been out and about a lot, talking with a lot of Kansans, doing a lot of listening. In some ways, I sometimes say it's not our turn yet, and that is to say we don't have a competitive primary in our governor's race. There obviously are competitive primaries in other races, as well as the value of them both vote, which is uh, such a focus of intensity right now. And so, uh, you know, most Kansans are focused on the decisions that lie immediately ahead at the primary. But as soon as that's passed, uh, it'll be our turn. We will step up uh, much more aggressively and uh, be focused on the race to November. We need to elect a new governor in this state because we can do so much better. And in order to do that, we've got to all pull together, every Kansan and every community and every corner of this state, and say, yeah, we're going to leave the past behind. We're going to go forward and do better things. That's the race we're going to run. I can't wait because, like we just talked about, I mean, we have a solid conservative legislature right now, close to the veto-proof majority that we needed uh, with Governor Kelly right now. But having a Republican governor back in and having you especially in there, we can actually get so much done in the next session. It's going to be amazing. I'm optimistic about all these races and between the governor's race, the attorney general's race, the state legislative races. I mean, when we go into January of 2023, Kansas can be the beacon and the leader nationwide on actually being able to promote some solid conservative values and being able to stop the Biden administration. Absolutely true. Well, we can do so much better in so many areas, uh, Andy. And uh, look, we're going to offer Kansans a rock-solid, conservative, common-sense option, and I believe Kansans are going to take it because they want to leave the past behind. Uh, it has been a bumpy and frustrating uh, series of recent years. I uh, can't change the past. We can change the future. We can do much better than this, and I'm looking forward to this race. That's what it's all about. Derek Schmidt, Attorney General, candidate for governor for the state of Kansas. Derek, it's always good to talk to you, my friend. Keep up the fight, and uh, by the next time we talk, the primaries will be over, and we'll be gearing up for election season. So looking forward to it here soon. Thanks, Andy. Talk with you soon. There it is. That was Derek Schmidt, again, Attorney General and candidate for Governor. Boy, big stuff. Now we are officially caught up, I think, when it comes to election season for August 2nd. Right around the corner, we'll have one more episode next Saturday to talk to the last few candidates that will try and cram in and get you set for election season as well. By the way, I appreciate all the comments that are going on on some of the social media and the messages that I've been getting regarding uh, some that have already gone out to vote. Uh, Jane, we voted yesterday. There was a nice line. A lot of people were on their lunch break. When they went to the courthouse, Kansas is taking this one seriously. That's what I like to hear, baby. So more people showing up and voting early and getting their vote counted. Yeah, they are taking it seriously. On the other front, I'm getting messages, paying, uh, people saying, I haven't seen a single yes uh, sign yet for the value them both bill. I am a little concerned, and that makes me a little bit concerned, I guess, depending on what areas you actually live in. I have seen the opposite with uh, very little no vote signs out there. So uh, maybe the polling's right. Maybe it's a tight race for that one. Maybe it's a tight uh, support and undecided. There is a lot of misinformation out there on that bill, so be very wary of where you get your information if you're looking more, uh, uh, trying to find more details in them to understand them better. Because, again, voting yes does not ban abortion at all. It only allows us to put restrictions on it and reverses the Supreme Court's decision saying that it's constitutionally protected because it is not. So uh, make sure to look out and find the proper information on that. And there's a lot of weird information floating around on that bill. Why? Well, because they're desperate to make sure it doesn't go through. The Democrats feel like they're losing a lot and they don't want to lose any more. And Kansas has always been that beacon of leading us in that right direction on a lot of issues, on abortion issues, social issues in general, Second Amendment issues, taxes, and more. We have some work to do, but we're also doing well compared to other states as well. All right, that does it for us today. Back at it again next Saturday. Make sure to tune in every Saturday from 9 to 11. We have the weekend with Michael Brown. 
right around the corner here on KQAM. We're also back at it with our national broadcast of The Voice of Reason on Monday at 4 p.m. Dick Morris, contributor to Newsmax and to Fox News. He'll be joining us live on the program next week as well to talk about his latest book on Donald Trump definitely running for president again in 2024. That'll be an interesting chat. We'll chat with him next week. Until then, everybody have a great weekend. Try and stay cool out there. Don't melt away. I know it's difficult, and we'll try and do the same here. Until then, have a great weekend. We're back at it next week on Candace Talk right here on Wichita's Big Talker KQAM. We'll see you then.